Somebody call 911! Show me the They have no idea where we are, who we are, where we're coming from, or who we're throwing to. Because we know when we add up all those inches, that's going to make the difference between winning and losing. Welcome to First and 30. I'm Nick. And I'm Antonino. We're two 30-something-year-old guys who take the best ultimate reality television show in this hemisphere, American football, through four uncensored downs of mostly unbiased opinion and some analysis. In a game broken down into 10-yard segments, we take it with you one step at a time. That's first and 30. Let's Let's go for it. Welcome to the fourth episode of First and 30. Today is Tuesday, December 5th. I'm your host, Nick Ocasio. I'm joined here today with my co-host, Antonino. Antonino, we have some breaking news, some big news for our listeners out there. Can I get a drum roll, please? Yep. So, First and 30 is official. We are on all social media platforms that matter. Uh, you can find us on Instagram and Twitter at first and 30 pod. And you do have to spell that out. It is first spelled F I R S T and a N D the number 30 pod uh, on Instagram and Twitter. You can find us as well on Facebook at first and 30. You can go ahead and type that out any way you please, but it's feeling official. Antonino, how, how, how are things feeling on your end now that we're out there in the ether for all to join and see? The World Wide Web. Man, we're out there, full force, just trying to make a positive impact on the community. Yeah, so if you want to be a part of the pod journey, make sure you go and follow, subscribe, do whatever you have to do on social media to stay in the loop on all things First and 30. Uh, There's a lot of exciting stuff we have coming down the pipeline here as well. Most importantly, we want to ensure that all of you are in the loop and are able to kind of get a get a sense of what the first and 30 is all about and be a part of this pod community. Um, so I, I'm excited, Anton, you know, I don't know about you, but I think that's I'm, pretty cool. <laughs> I'm excited for the t-shirt giveaway. I kind of want one personally, but uh, we'll, we'll, to be determined, we'll release those to the general public. Stay tuned. Yep. 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 All right, cool. Well, now that you know that we're out there and you can start following and subscribing and doing all that fun stuff, how about we hop into what first and 30 is all about? Uh, and first down, high hopes. So for those of you who are new listeners to the first and 30 pod, high hopes is where we go ahead and uh, reflect on something that we saw this past weekend related to the NFL that really stood out to us, uh, whether that be a player coach. So in this instance, Antonino, what, what do you have high hopes on based off of what you saw in this past weekend's slate of action in the NFL. The most interesting man alive, Gardner Minshew. <laughs> that <What? laughs> Gardner Minshew, what is it about him that you that you enjoyed? Personally, I, I love his mustache. Now he has a long head of hair. Um pretty stylish. But besides that, he's been performing on a high level on the football field, especially this past weekend. Um, they took down Tennessee 
in Tennessee, which they haven't lost there all year. And he did so by throwing two touchdowns and no interceptions, clean slate, and they're on mm. a four-game winning streak. Ooh, okay. So you're you're bought into the Minstrew magic at this point. I'm all about it. You know, I think I might break out the mustache in support of Gardner Minshew. Do you do you think Gardner Minshew is the answer for the Colts and uh, potentially them making the playoffs? I mean, they are right in the thick of it right now, but uh, seven and five. But you you think he has what it takes to to get them there? <laughs> You know, he's he's putting the weight on his shoulders right now, but they do have Jonathan Taylor coming back here soon, so that'll be a huge mm-hmm. lift. Yeah. But uh, we had an X factor this past weekend in their game, um, the special teams. The special teams came through to play. Uh, oh, yeah. Well, what do they do in particular that stood out to you? And I, I be once you get this point, I have a, a different opinion of Minshew, but I'm going to let you have your high praise here for a moment. Oh, man. So they're down 17 to seven. Special teams comes out. They block a punt. Okay, fine. They block a punt. They injure the punter. They Mm. injure the punter. This comes into play in the fourth quarter when Tennessee ties the game with a touchdown with five minutes left. They miss the extra point. Who was holding the extra point? Who was holding the ball in the extra point? Not the punter if they were injured, I assume. None other than Ryan Tannehill. He's getting his uh, money's worth now. The Titans are getting use out of him. <laughs> so is it his fault that they missed the kick because of that? He spun the laces the wrong way, and yet again, uh, Ryan Tannehill makes all the Tennessee fans cry. And and for those of you who don't know, Antonino uh, spent a lot of his childhood in the backyard kicking field goals. I got to see firsthand uh, his kicking chops, so he does know a thing or two about making sure that the laces are spread out the the appropriate way facing the field goal. I, I'm not going to go into too much about um, <laughs> when you set up and uh, totally wiped out and ate it Charlie Brown style uh, prior to our Thanksgiving game. But there, yeah. there was a Charlie Brown scenario, but uh, the next one was a little, little better. Yeah. Just wide, right. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. That's, that's bizarre, man. Uh, too bad for Ryan Tannehill. I, I'm not uh, into the Minshew magic, though. I hate to be a spoiler. I hate to be the Debbie Downer. Never have been into Minshew magic. I like his persona. I like his confidence and the swagger that he brings week over week. However, uh, (laughs) it's more of like a satire at this point. Gardner Minshew is a walking satire. He's just a funny guy with the mustache and everything. He kind of balls out like a you know, old gunslinger type of play. But uh, this was an interesting stat that I saw post-game. So according to Mike Chappelle, who's been covering the Colts since they came into Indy in 1984, he's also a member of the Pro Football Hall of Fame Selection Committee, just to give you a little bit of his credentials. But according to Mike Chappelle, Gardner Minshew, you know, he passed for 312 yards, two touchdowns in that win. It was the first time that he had led a team to a victory throwing 300-plus yards in a game. Prior to this, he lost all eight of his games that he threw for over 300 yards. So this stat tells me that basically if you get too much Garner Minshew, you know, that too much of that Minshew magic in a game, it's probably not going to be a good thing for your team. It, it's best if you just leave him managing these games. So you don't really want to count on Garner Minshew going out there slinging the ball for over 300 passing yards because typically 
that's going to lead to some of the things that we did see Sunday where, you know, the Colts, I don't know if you saw this, Antonino, they were going on a 10-play, 80-yard drive uh, late in the second quarter. They were only trailing at this point 17-10. to 10. But Minshew fumbled it in the red zone at the five-yard line, and that's what you get with this guy. He's kind of snake-bitten. You're, you're going to see some of those flashes where you're like, wow, this guy's competent. He could definitely be uh, a star NFL quarterback in this league. But then he goes back and reverts to you know, some of the ugly side of the Minshew magic that you don't want to see. So I don't know. I thought that was kind of an interesting stat, and I think that pretty much sums up Gardner Minshew's career to this point. But you still have high hopes for him and the Colts the rest of the way, do you not? Absolutely. If you're living in Indianapolis and you're a Colt fan, you probably thought it was all uh, wrote the season off after uh, Mr. Richardson got hurt there earlier yeah. in the year. But uh, I I would ride this roller coaster and see where it goes. I think uh, with Cleveland and Pittsburgh dealing with those injuries, they can uh, fix themselves in that wild card spot, maybe even catch Houston. Uh, but what's there not to love about Gardner? Man, did you know? Did you know he lived in a rehabbed jail bus over the off season in Florida and parked it right outside the gym and plugged it in I'm, to charge the bus. I'm not surprised. I, I think I lost. actually did hear about that shortly after he got drafted when he was with Jacksonville, that, that story did get circulated a little That's bit. That's amazing. So. He's a That's legend. Amazing. No, he legend. is. I mean, him as a persona, him as a character, you got to love the guy, but as a starting NFL quarterback, there's a reason why he's a backup in this league. He gives you a little bit of good, but he gives you a little bit of bad too on a consistent basis. You don't want to count on him. That's that's all I'm saying. Um, all right, but first down's up now. Let, let's move on to second down. They are who we thought they were. But they are who we thought they were, and we let them off the hook. And again, we might have a few new listeners here this week uh, given our social media presence, so I do want to – uh, established with second down, they are who we thought they were. We're going to take a look at a player, a coach, somebody that lived up to expectations, our expectations from this past weekend. So I'm going to tee this one off, Antonino, because as a Tyreek Hill fantasy football manager, I was thrilled with the performance he had against Washington, exactly what I was expecting him to produce for me. Uh, and with that performance, he had five catches, 157 yards, Two touchdowns, one of which went for 78, the other for 60. But this guy is playing on an MVP caliber level. Uh, right now, he's pacing to break Calvin Johnson's 2012 single-season receiving record of 16 or 1,964 yards. Uh, right now, Hill is only 483 yards behind that record, and, and he's projected to finish with 2,098 yards. So... I loved what I saw from Tyreek Hill. And right now I'd say he is my MVP front runner. What, what do you think of that? Antonino? The cheetah. Man, I'll tell you what, he runs that four flat 40 blazing speed. You saw him taken away from those backup Redskins secondary players uh. <laughs> uh, with lightning speed. I think uh, Tyreek, Great player. We all know he's a great player. But if we're going to discuss him breaking the record, that one is a little tricky because as you see more and more, they're taking him out of games early. So he only had five catches against the Redskins. I would expect him to get like 15 targets, maybe 10 catches, but only five catches. He gets pulled. For, if you're going to get pulled from games early, 
you're not a cheetah. You might as well be Garfield. <laughs> well, so, Antonino, yeah. they won this game, what, 45 to 15? Uh, they were up by, I think it was like 31 to 7 at half. <laughs> of course oh, he's yeah. not going to finish the game, but they have they have a tough schedule remaining. They have Baltimore coming up. They have Dallas on their schedule. So you can assume that these are games that are going to be closely contested the rest of the way. They're going to need Tyreek Hill out there for the full four quarters, unlike these past two games where they're blowing teams out. So, uh, yeah, I, I get what you're saying, but he only is 483 yards behind Johnson. He's averaging about 130 yards receiving a game, and they are right in the thick of the playoff picture with still five weeks left and a tough schedule. So they're going to – my argument is they're going to have to lean on him even more. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's got to share targets with Waddle. We all know he's also – an amazing wide receiver. But then, believe it or not, the running back Mostert, he's third in rushing yards in the NFL. So, like, how is he getting all these targets, but the other players are balling out too? So, it's the yards after catch. It's the yak. He catches these short passes, and he takes them to the house. So, yeah. it's impressive, but it's going to be close whether or not he gets that record. Well, the two that he caught against Washington were bombs, okay? He burned the guys in coverage. It wasn't like a screen pass that he housed for 78 yards. He got behind the DB. He straight up burned them, uh, and he's doing it in every facet. But that's been their bread and butter, that Tua Tyreek Hill. Let's just throw it deep, let Tyreek get behind the defender, and he'll take it to the the house. That's That's been their bread and butter. Uh, but but I, I want to know, Antonino, who are your top three MVPs? Because right now, I, I think Tyreek Hill is deserving of the MVP because without him in this offense— the Dolphins would be a much different team because the reason why they're second in the league in rushing is because Tyreek Hill is able to push the defense back. They're able to use that zone running scheme that Mike McDaniel likes to use uh, and exploit defenses. So the defenses have to respect that deep threat from Tyreek Hill every single play he's out there, which helps out the running game, which helps out guys like Jalen Waddle to, to do his work in the intermediate and short secondary types of routes. So, I digress. I want to know, though, who are your three MVP candidates and, and who's your favorite? I have a top one. I have a top okay. one candidate for MVP. I'm going to go against the grain here. We all know the great players on the great teams. I'm going with CJ Stroud. If we're going to talk most, <laughs> most valuable player. So he is the most valuable player on that team. And without wow. him, that team is nothing. Wow. And he leads the NFL in passing yards with 3,540 yards. Mm. The, guy, the guy's a stud. You could call out Jalen Hurts. You can call out Lamar Jackson. You can call out Christian McCaffrey. But mm. these are good players that we know are good players on good teams that are established to make a title run. This guy came in, new head coach, new system, rookie, and he's leading the NFL in passing yards and they're going on a playoff run. So CJ Stroud, MVP. I, I can respect that. However, you started listing off some names there, and I couldn't help but realize and take note that there was one name in particular that I feel like you're disrespecting by not even subconsciously throwing it into the mix. Uh-oh. <laughs> uh, and as a Dallas Cowboy fan, uh -oh. I, I can really <laughs> <laughs> you know where I'm going with this, Anthony. Uh, yes, yes. yes. Uh, what about Dak Prescott? You don't think he is deserving to be in this conversation right now? The, the man is 
lights out. He's on fire through this stretch. Uh, he's completely turned and flipped the narrative around of what was being said about him at the beginning of the season. I don't know if you were paying attention or listening, but you know, I was, I, I could hear what all these talking heads on ESPN and some of these other channels were saying about Dak Prescott, that he's turnover prone, that he's a game manager. Uh, but he is uh, really quieting all those doubters. And I, I would argue that without him, Dallas wouldn't be in the position that they're at right now in nine and three. So I think it's a disrespect and disservice that you did not even subconsciously mention him in your list of MVPs just now. That's Shame fair. on you. That's fair. That's fair. Well, how about this? Uh, third and long, what were you thinking? So in this segment, again, for the new listeners, we're going to call out a team or a player or coach uh, for a boneheaded decision that was made over this past weekend's NFL games. Uh, one stood out to me right away what, <laughs> with that Philadelphia-San Francisco 49ers game. What was the situation, Anthony, you know, between uh, Philly's security guard and Dre Greenlaw, uh, the linebacker for the 49ers? What took place? The Paisan himself, Dom DeSandro, chief of security since 1999, Philadelphia Eagles staple. He had a problem with a Mr. Greenlaw for the San Francisco 49ers. Mm. He came across the Eagle sideline and put hands on the coach. Mm. Mm -hmm. And th things got ugly. Mm -hmm. I, I'm I'm worried about. Can someone please check in on Greenlaw to make sure he didn't wake up with a horse head next to him in bed? <laughs> someone check on that man. Yeah, there was a there was a story from the Inquirer. Uh, they apparently did a piece on Dom DeSandro. Uh, I don't know when exactly, but they the Philadelphia faithful referred to him as like the Ray Donovan, uh, you know, the fixer. The I got a guy of the Eagles. So, but what I've heard, most of the requests are kind of benign and tedious. But regardless, yeah, he seems like he uh he might know some people in some high places, and he's got that clout and that persona of uh maybe you know that guy that knows a guy that's going to be the fixer type of guy. You know, <laughs> that's right. You you got a problem? You got a problem? We're gonna fix it. Yeah. Well, right. I couldn't help but notice Antonino, and I know you've been trying really hard now for the past month not to get your name out there too too much. Which you know, now that you're on social media and everything, I think uh, there there's no stopping people from being able to look you up. But Dom DeSandro uh, shares a last name with our Antonino DeSandro. Is there any relationship here? Is this a long lost Pisano brother? that uh, found his way to Philadelphia that your parents haven't told you about? I'm currently working the phone lines, working to get in touch with the Philadelphia Eagles front office to determine whether or not this is a long lost relative. Um, working all angles to get in touch with this guy. Um, I know a lot of Italians did migrate from Italy to New York, New Jersey, and Pennsylvania. So it's a very good chance we're related. There's not too many DeSandros out there. Um, so I'm going to work on that. And if I'm working for the Philadelphia Eagles here in the next uh, couple of months, you'll know why. Oh, okay. So, well, if Philadelphia is in need of uh, the pod father himself, Antonino DeSandro, to join the Dom father, Dom DeSandro, they, they got the pairing. Uh, it's it's funny, though, Antonino. I went on Philadelphia's website just to take a look at their, like, staff 
and and bios and the way that they describe the Sandro, he uh, he apparently oversees all safety and security measures, hence why he's their security guard uh, for players, coaches, executives. He's the direct security at teams training complexes. He's responsible for security measures related to team travel, logistics. Uh, he also provides education on the NFL's personal conduct policy. But it's interesting because a lot of the Philadelphia players also say that he helps out with like expediting the acquisition of passports. He helps out with wedding planning, apparently. I didn't know that this was a part of his list of uh, things to do. Uh, he helps also with mental health struggles. Uh, did not did not know that security guards uh, are, are all encompassing and becoming therapists too, but he does it all for the Eagles. You know, he, he is that fixer guy. <laughs> Dom DeSandre, he's brave because usually when people ask, what do you do? You just say waste management, simple as that. Oh. <laughs> so, I mean, he's just putting it all out there for everyone to know, but yeah, waste management. Come on, Dom. <laughs> Yeah, that's a that's a notorious uh, thing for the the mafia up in in the Northeast. That's uh, right. Yeah, Jason Kelsey refers to him as Papa Bear. They wonder why. Hmm. <laughs> uh, um, I mean, if if you find out though that this guy is like a, a relative, uh, I mean, are you going to try to to pull that angle with the Eagles? Maybe get into security too, or you know, as you like to say, get into waste management for the Eagles, perhaps. Absolutely. I uh, actually majored in sport management in college and uh, I've been uh, working out as well. I mean, I got to throw that in there. I've been working out. So, yeah, I mean, what's there not to like? It's it's all there. So, it, yeah. Well, pulling it back real quick to the, the football element in this whole situation. I, it was pretty nasty in that game because there was quite a few fights that broke out. Uh, I believe our boy, buddy Dom got got hit in the face by a green law, too. He got clipped in that that altercation both players ejected uh, but there were quite a few skirmishes that that did take place in that game which ultimately was a beatdown that the 49ers put on the eagles i you know a little off script here but i think the 49ers right now are the best team in the nfl uh following close behind my my cowboys i'd say perhaps and then you know the eagles are up there i i, I thought the eagles were kind of coming into this game as frauds. I, I thought they were going to get exposed, and surely that's what happened. <laughs> I, I think what we'll notice more and more as the season winds down is it's the survival of the fittest. Whoever's the least injured team usually has the more, most success. Uh, the 49ers, they were down a couple guys, and now they're back healthy. Debo Samuel, Trent Williams, and now they're hitting on all cylinders. So they might be clicking at just the right time. Yeah, and, the, and on the Eagles' end, they've been having some issues with linebackers getting injured but they just picked up Darius Leonard uh, or Shaq Leonard uh he was a uh, an all pro for the Colts for quite some time he was dealing with some injuries that derailed his career for a bit uh but I don't know if you were following this story too he had a decision to make between the Cowboys or the Eagles and ultimately Ooh. he signed with the Eagles this week ahead Ooh. of this big matchup for the potentially the NFC East and maybe even the number 1 seed in the NFC once it's all said and done so Kind of an interesting little backstory going on there as well. But, uh, yeah, 49ers looking good. Our guy, Dom DeSandro, is a, a living legend in Philadelphia and perhaps uh, a long-lasting relative of the Antonino DeSandro family over there. So that, That's right. Play with the Bulls. Expect to get the horns. <laughs> All right, cool. Well, fourth down. It's fourth and forever. It's time for a Hail Mary. Dropping back. In the pocket, looking, there's the Hail Mary, headed for the end zone, and it is caught by a touchdown! 
So during this down, we're going to take a look at a player or coach who kind of shined through some of the toughest moments. Uh, some weeks we might look at the biggest comeback or upset, maybe an underdog moment. Uh, but Antonino, I'm curious, do you believe in love? Well, Nick, love is between two people with strong feelings for each other. It's a very complicated well, thing, uh, very hard uh, to find. Well, 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 Antonino, this is a uh, a football podcast, not a, a relationship podcast. I, I'm talking about Jordan Love, man. Not Jordan. Not love. Not, not your dating history here. Ah, uh, yes, yeah, that'd be too long for one of our shows. So we'll we'll keep it moving. He's a he's available, ladies. Antonino is um is available. So he's been a free agent now for past 30 something years um trying, uh, to, I would, trying to sign I, on a team i would say a journeyman of sorts and i've played for many teams i just haven't found the right team for me well we're, we're all counting on you we're rooting for you man uh but but jordan love uh, let's talk about this love a little bit more he uh he had a really great game against the chiefs 25 of 36 267 yards capped off with three touchdowns uh really quieting a lot of the doubters from the past couple of weeks. What was your impression of this game and his performance? You know, Jordan Love, he actually had his first start ever against the Chiefs two short years ago. And mm. as many of you might remember, that went pretty poorly for Jordan and they lost 13 to seven in an ugly loss. So yeah. today or Sunday, he came out and threw three touchdowns, most of which were early in the game. Uh, but once he did that, they were able to really hold up on defense and get the job done. And, keep Patrick Mahomes in check pretty much for the whole game. Yeah. And this was against a, a good chiefs defense, uh, honestly, and probably the stronger point of this team. Usually we're accustomed to seeing the chiefs of a high powered offense. Uh, this season's been a little bit of the inverse. The defense has been carrying them in some of these games, but Jordan love uh, was just carving up the, the Chiefs' secondary. Uh, he is going through one of the best spans of his career uh, out of the last five games. Uh, they've won four of their last five during this span. Jordan Love has a 11 to two touchdown to interception ratio, uh, has posted over a hundred quarterback rating in all four of the wins. So something that I saw that was pretty interesting, and they were mentioning this during the broadcast as well. They were starting to compare the beginning and start of Jordan Love's career for the first 12 games as a starter for the Packers to none other than uh, Aaron Rodgers himself. Now, let me rattle off these stats real quick to you, Antonino. During the first 12 games of Love's career, he has completed 61% of his passes for 2,866 yards, 22 touchdowns to 10 interceptions. That's a 90.2 QB rating. Now, Aaron Rodgers, during the first 12 starts of his career with the Packers, completed 63% of his passes for 2,897 yards, 20 touchdowns, 10 interceptions with a 91.2 QB rating. Almost identical stat lines between the two quarterbacks. Wow, that's that's pretty ironic. And, and that first start I, I mentioned uh, when Jordan Love had his start against the Chiefs, he filled in for none other than Aaron Rodgers because he had a positive mm -hmm. COVID test. Oh, so things right. might be coming full circle here in some way, shape, or form. Um, they have an easy schedule the rest of the way. Does he stack up to Aaron Rodgers? That might be a little stretch. Still, but, uh, still young in the career. Yeah. Very young in the career. I wouldn't say I'm ready to crown him just yet. I don't know if they found the one. 
Okay. Yeah. Fair enough. Uh, I, I do want to dedicate too, and, and I think it would be a disservice to you and to the Houdat nation out there if we didn't shine a little bit of love over to Jake Browning's way too from his performance last night. Uh, oh, let me get your reaction, man. I know you were up until midnight watching that overtime game between the Bengals and the Jaguars, but Jake Browning really stepping up and having a, a performance. What, what's your impression on that? Well, well, first I want to say it's who day nation, not who dat nation. Oh, oh that's the Saints. That's the Saints. Let, let's right. clean this up here. Let's womp, clean this womp. up, man. But Jake Browning, let's give the guy his brownie points here. The mm. dude came out after the performance last week against the Steelers. First road game starting Monday night football against Jacksonville. All they talked about was Jacksonville about to take over the number one seed. He broke the narrative. He went out there. He threw an 86% completion percentage game while throwing 350 plus yards. That's the seventh time in NFL history that that's ever been done. That earned him the new nickname, Downtown Jake Brown. Well, congrats to your Bengals, Antonino. Ending on a positive note, we do want to bring everything together, kind of relating to what we talked about with the Hail Mary and uh, pulling it to real life. The reality uh, outside of the gridiron, outside of the football field, uh, kind of help us end this on a positive note, man. So at first you might not succeed. Fall down nine times, get up ten times, keep trying to knock that door down. Yeah. And I I thought, too, with Jordan Love, given that he had a rough stretch there for a while, he hurt a lot of doubters. And I think this, this is related to me personally, and I'm sure a lot of other listeners out there, you might hear a lot of doubters. You might hear a lot of negativity, people trying to pull you down as you're pursuing your passion or your hobbies, uh, what your interests are. But you can't control that noise of the surrounding critics, just like Jordan Love couldn't. So what you can control is your response and your action. You can choose to focus in on those that say you can't, or you can concentrate and put your efforts towards your own performance, your own craft, uh, and staying disciplined instead. So. My advice is don't listen to the skeptics. They're merely distractions from all the great things you could be doing instead. So with that, thank you for joining us for another episode of First and 30. Until next week, remember, when your number is called, no matter the odds, just just go go for it. it.